We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a Topping the Europa League group on a podcast by putting out the Europa League lineup. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner, and I am now the proud father of a second child. That's right, my second daughter, uh, Addison, is my first daughter. My second daughter, Sophie Rose Smith, was born uh, sometime between us going down 2-0 and us rescuing it at 2-2. And so I think it is fair to say that uh, she, well, it is not fair to say that she's the reason we recovered that and topped the group. It's fair to say that she's not not the reason that we recovered it and topped the group. So, obviously, uh, Mama doing well, Baby doing well. Very excited and very happy about that. And uh, basically, since she's been born, we have scored two unanswered goals and topped a European group. So, I feel pretty good about her as an omen of things to come, a harbinger of things to come. Having said that, uh, my inability to be available for obvious reasons, and uh, sleep deprivation and other things means that we have a bit of a hodgepodge here. So I'm going to waffle on for about two minutes, and then I'm going to give way to Paul and Scott. Uh, Tim and Clive could not operate around the very bizarre schedule we were trying to work with, but normal service will be restored next week. I will let you know that we are giving away things that you can win. Uh, You can win an Arsenal shirt, you can win a year of our Patreon, and you can win a year subscription to The Athletic just by going to arsenalvisionpodcast.com forward slash win, so please do. And uh, we'd love to see you over on the the Patreon. We have some wonderful people there who have been interacting with each other in a pleasant and supportive way over on the Discord, and it's just a a lovely place that I like to spend time, and I hope you will join us there. Uh, I am not going to put any promos into this pod, uh, so you will not hear about the enclosed, but if you do want to go there, enclosed.gifts.com. 
is where you can go and get uh, money off a multi-month purchase and sort out your lingerie needs for the holidays. You can also sign up for The Athletic at all the relevant links, theathletic.com forward slash Clive P-A-F-C to make Clive sing a holiday song. And then uh, you can figure out the other links. I'm not even going to give them. I just hope Clive winds up having to sing. By the way, if he does wind up having to sing, I have a feeling that that will be a long night in the editing bay for me. No offense to Clive, of course. In any event, I am thrilled that we topped the group. Uh, I am obviously greatly concerned about the City game coming up. My two cents on this game, you know, I watched it under very weird circumstances on my phone uh, the first half while my wife was sort of just waiting around for things to get moving and then uh, sleep-deprived in the middle of the night while my new baby was catching 30 minutes of sleep on my phone for the second half. And my my quick take is, first of all, I love the lineup Freddie picked. I, I mean, maybe I would have hoped for Genduzzi to be left out and start at the weekend, but otherwise, you know, heavy rotation is the way to go here. I think that the one thing that you can't escape is that we have bad central defenders and there's no hiding them. There really is no hiding them. Uh, there were a lot of really cheap giveaways early in the first half that were comical. Uh, two bad deflections for the goals. I don't think Standard did much to hurt us. I don't have too much of a problem with the performance, given the lineup. I mean, you look at how many kids are out there, and it's Mavropanos who hasn't played in ages. Maitland Niles restored to the team, but you know hasn't played a lot recently. Um, you know, Ganduzi is young, but obviously an experienced player at this point. But Saka, Smith Rowe, Nelson, and uh, sort of half interested Lacazette for part of the game still had the quality to head in from a brilliant sack across. I thought the kids did all right. I think Smith Rowe, when he was able to get on the ball, influenced the game well. Obviously, Saka won the game for us with two brilliant moments, and and I thought he had some great moments in the first half getting forward. First half was mostly about them not hurting us, us having the better chances while not doing a lot. The back three is a problem for this team because it just struggles with ball progression. And in general, this season, what's been our problem? What was our problem the first half of the weekend? What's been our problem all season? Progressing the ball through midfield, finding routes to the to the front three, I think there are distance issues and spacing issues across the pitch, and those are probably going to be there for a while until we have a coach who sorts it out and figures out a way to, to line this team up so that the, the midfielders are stretched across the pitch vertically and horizontally properly, and uh, the forwards occupy the right spaces, and there's connectivity there. But I think we'll see bits of it in fits and starts. I wouldn't be expecting much this weekend, but that's all right. Look, overall, we do top the group. Uh, I think the Europa League is a competition we still, even as poor as we have been, can win. Because we were a terrible team last season. We were in the final. The season before, we were a pretty bad team. And we were in the semifinal and really unlucky not to get past Atleti the way we played in that first half. So, uh, first leg, I should say. So all in all, um, the key was to top the group, and we did. And how we got there doesn't much matter to me, especially in the context of the kind of season we've been having. I think it is exciting that we have these young kids that are playing a lot. I do wonder a little bit about what we are exposing them to. And Freddie sort of said after the game, hey, let's not beat up on these kids. I don't know that anybody has been. But I think he recognizes that we've been through a rough road. There's more potentially rough spots ahead on this road, and the kids are going to be along for that ride, and hopefully it doesn't drag them down. And I think from a fan's perspective, there's not a lot of chance of that happening. I'm not too concerned about that. Um, You know, obviously, I mean, there were moments, if I were watching the game live, I'm guessing that Twitter would have been a pretty nasty place at some time uh, in the game down 2-0 at Liege people worrying about maybe not even qualifying and the result wasn't going our way with uh, Frankfurt beating Vittoria at one point. But you got to love the Europa League, man. I mean, only in the Europa League can you play as poorly as we have, draw away to a team that you beat 11-0 uh, in the reverse fixture, and have uh, the team that was likely to top the group fail to beat Vittoria after leading, lose to Vittoria. We come back to equalize and we top the group. I think it's a competition that absolutely suits us. So I'm thrilled about that. The... 
the reality is that while tactics can overcome some defensive issues, we will never be good enough with the center backs we have. None of them. None of them. And I mean, maybe Holden gets there and maybe Chambers can fill in a bit. And obviously you hope that Saliba will eventually be a guy that we can rely on. But right now, pick your car crash. You know, if Mustafi and and Chambers are out of the team, we're going to say it should be them. If Holding is out of the team, we're going to say it's going to be should be him. If Socrates is out of the team, so on and so forth. Louis is obviously you know not an answer either. So I just think whatever the issues all over the pitch, those defenders are are problematic. And I you know I think Leno is better than Martinez, and he didn't always make it easy with some of his distribution. But we're through, we're top, and that's what matters. The weekend is a is a scary proposition. I, I mean I think it's great that we have a little a little teeny bit of momentum, and City certainly do not. Uh, given their domestic form, but they're a team that can create boatloads of chances. And we are a team that likes to concede boatloads of chances, and they have the quality to not miss any of them. And the one thing I have worried about with this team is, is there a hiding waiting around the corner for us? Is there a game where we could get heavily, heavily beaten because the defenders are bad and, and the organization isn't great? And depending on whether you know, Bellerin is available for the weekend and what central defenders are available and Tierney is out and Cole is not, you know, great defending the wide spaces. And, you know, is it, who's going to be up against Sterling? Uh, you know, are we going to get over on a midfield with Torreira and Shaka trying to stop the likes of Kevin De Bruyne? And I, I, I do worry a little bit, you know, if City find a little form, what, what the scoreline could be here, but we're not really competing with City for anything. We, you know, obviously want to keep our top four hopes alive. Whether or not we're able to do that, um, I would be prioritizing the Europa League is sort of my subtle way of answering that question. But we live in hope. We'll see. I mean, obviously, getting a result against City is the kind of thing that can jumpstart a whole season. So we'll, we'll root for that. We'll stay upbeat. And as I said, my daughter, my newborn daughter, Sophie Rose, has not uh, seen Arsenal do anything other than score two unanswered goals in top of European group. So that's a good sign. So here's what we'll do. We will uh, take a brief pause, play a little music, and when we come back... You will hear from Paul at Posing in My Pants and Scott at O underscore that underscore crab for the remainder of the pod. Normal service resumed after the city game. As always, we love you. Stay with us. More after this. So uh, welcome, Scott. Thank you. And a little woohoo from me. So, yeah, I'm a little yeehaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that there's nobody else around, we're very low key about that stuff. Um, it was a lineup. I'd say I, I'd even say an interesting lineup that Freddie went with. Um, I wonder what it tells us. Uh, we had three at the back, four in midfield: Willock and Ganduzi sitting. Uh, we had Rowe on the right, Nelson on the left, Lacazette through the middle. Um, what do you think the significance was of that? Uh, either do you think think it was purely a reflection of the day, the game, standard Liège, and the the players we had available, or is there a possibility this was some kind of uh, tipping of his cards for how he's looking to hold off City at the weekend? I, I think you could kind of see it a little bit of both ways. So I think more than anything, I think you look at our left back situation, and we don't have one. Right now, uh, with Tierney out and Kolasinac, not really a traditional left back. Um, and then, you know, we look down at the, the youth ranks and there's not really a, a left back that looks to be, you know, right on the cusp of things. So I think he's seen that um, Saka 
has played left or wing back in his past. So he's like, all right, I could probably squeeze him in there, you know, rest Kolasinac for the weekend. I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if he probably went with the back three again because Kolasinac is just so much better as a wing back instead of an actual left back. So um, I think it's a, little, maybe, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, especially maybe if it's Maitland-Niles on the right side this weekend. Uh, he came off a little early and... Um, certainly our Ars blog commented he might have had some tight hamstrings there so I guess it depends who's available if we assume Hector isn't ready yet then we may have two players who are much more comfortable as wing backs than full backs yes yeah, I mean it would be really bad yeah it might not be good to see Chambers out there because you know I think Chambers actually looked pretty good at the the center back position and you know he didn't play in this one so he might be slotted as a, a center back choice for you know, city. So we'll see about that one as well. Yeah, and again, it's a second tryout for Socrates in a back three against Standard Liège. But on the left-hand side, which he's not the best ball carrier or passer in in the world, but especially when he's pushed, he's being forced out of that left wing. It's just on his wrong foot, or he he tries to pass back across the pitch. So, you know, if we go with three against City, uh, we saw. We saw him in a three here, and he, he wasn't too startling again. Uh, that, that for me, is a little bit of the worry with three at the back. It, it's not not doing Socrates any favors. Makes us a little edgy, nervy. If we line up with this, I think City's going to be aggressively targeting a number of players. That would be one of the areas. Yeah, I agree. Because there was definitely times against Liège where Arsenal definitely did not look comfortable you know, playing out from the back, and that could be a, a big red flag for the weekend. Yeah, I mean, um, Martinez, I think in his first couple of Europa League games uh, for us, did a pretty good impersonation of Bernd Leno at the back. I mean that in the most positive sense. But his last couple of games have been a little stickier, and certainly his distribution in this game kind of put the hair up on your arms a, a couple of times. I wonder if the, I mean, the pitch wasn't great, but there was more to it than that. He just seemed a little laboured in this and, and invited trouble. We seemed to survive his passing out from the back. So we had Wilkin Ganduzi in, in in the midfield. But if you look at the first half, it was a pretty slow, steady progression for us. We seemed to largely have the game in, in hand. In terms of Freddie picking young players, which he did for this, do you think anybody... Any of the young fellas moved their case forward. I mean, we had Nelson, Smith-Rowe, Willock on the pitch, and a, a sack over on left wing who had a stormer towards the end. But ignoring Saka's brilliance, do you, do you think overall the, any of the youths moved their cases forward, or was it a missed opportunity? Um, I thought Reese Nelson actually played fairly well. Um, I think he's actually been... He hasn't been spectacular in the matches that he's played, but I thought he's been... Um, overall fairly solid um, to me he seems to be a, a player that kind of gives you a certain level and you know he's not going to you know exceed that level but he's not really going to give you a, a stinker of a match either so um, I think he made um, a case that he might be able to get some game time um, over the you know the, the holiday period if we you know we need some rotation that goes in yeah, um, he, I seemed, thought Joe- he seemed tidy on the other yeah. hand if he needed to break through because he's got a lot of competition besides Certainly. our our standard front three and Mesut Ozil looking for a spot of it if it's getting crowded. You know, you got Saka and Martinelli both making the case to start on either the left or the right. So there's some depth there he has to get past. 
Yeah, and I thought Martinelli actually in his little cameo was quite impressive as well with his just his ability to kind of inject energy into the match and his movement was something that was very badly needed because that was something when you watched Arsenal in that first half especially, it was just very static from our front. So I thought that his addition into the match, you know, really changed things. So I think that he's probably going to get a start against City. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case for him. Um, I thought Joe Willick actually had a, a pretty good game in this one. Um, I think that in general, when he plays a little bit further back, he's able to get more involved in things. And uh, in this one, he was our, our second leading passer, um, you know, 52 of 58 on the day. So that was, you know, a nice thing to see, see him be able to get more involved in the match. Because when he's playing at that 10 position, he has a tendency just to disappear. We'll come to Martinelli later, but I definitely think he understands the word impact in impact sub. Um, yes. But we'll talk a little bit about that. Willock's an interesting one. I'm a big uh, Willock fan in principle, but it feels like he's kind of letting things slip a little bit at the moment. I agree he was good. I liked his passing. You know, he has legs on him, and he can dribble, and he can beat a player and push through midfield uh, with a little bit of the Vieiras or the Diabis about him. Um, But he still has this thing where he somewhat switches off out of possession, we see it on the goal where he's not aware enough of needing to either put his bo- the foot through it or to make a clean pass somewhere. But the the other thing that struck me, coming back to your, your buddy Martinelli there, is Martinelli comes on and within a couple of minutes we lose play upfield and they're cantering against us. I don't know if you remember this. And one of their players streaks through midfield and Joe Willock's trailing him. And he's running along at a pretty good pace. But, like, they're two goals up at this point. And suddenly, Martinelli comes tearing from an attacking position, blazes past Willock onto that player and rips the ball off him. And you suddenly think, oh, yeah, that's what a recovery run's supposed to look like. It's one of my frustrations with these young fellas. Um, maybe I just have projections of my own <laughs> youth and my own youthful vigor. But the one thing you can do while you're trying to establish yourself in in the team is do what Project Martinelli is doing, which is every time you get on, just tear up trees in terms of effort. And we saw that with uh, Willeker early in the season. There's that one play where uh, he loses the ball near the touchline, gets pissed off about it, goes tearing back and makes a great tackle. And there's fucking videos been made of it, gifts, everything. There, we're, we're building a statue outside the stadium for him based on that because it it lights the team up and that's what Martinelli does every time I, I'm just it amazes me sometimes that the young fellas don't do the one thing that's pretty easy for them to add to the game which is just sheer work rate for the 90 minutes they're on yeah so yeah that's definitely a way to get yourself endeared to the fans I wonder if it's some of it is that you know you start overthinking all right what am I supposed to do position wise you know you start getting a little bit too much into am I you know, am I making sure that the shape that we're supposed to be in is right? I wonder if that's kind of a thing that, you know, they don't trust necessarily their instincts of where they're supposed to be because, you know, it's a little bit, you know, unfamiliar. So I wonder if that might be a thing that happens sometimes. Yeah, I think that's very fair. I mean, they got a lot on their minds in terms of, am I doing what the manager, am I where I am? Am I do? how's my game going? But it does, it does amaze me that you don't see more of what Martinelli does from other players. Uh, one player who did seem to put it all out there and he was totally shagged uh, by about 70 or 80 minutes. I thought uh, Smith Rowe looked really good. 
nothing fully came off for him, but he did seem to be our brightest spark in the first half and and for some of the second half, but he, he totally ran out of gas at one point. He was kind of playing on the right, uh, but ha- also had a, maybe a freer role, dropping into midfield, doing some approximation of Aaron Ramsey as a 10, but also uh, out on the right, which was never his favourite position, but he found himself there quite often. I thought uh, him in particular, I guess he's one of my eyes to the future, but he does seem to have all the tools as a in terms of passing, dribbling. He's fast. Uh, he looks like he'll fill out nicely. And he's got a shot on him. Him and the the thing I notice about him and Saka is every time they take a shot, it's a bloody good shot. I think we saw three, two or three shots from Saka earlier before he 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 uh, nailed the cross and then the goal that showed he doesn't have. You'd see with the Wobi, he'd do a lot of good things for us, and I know his role was a little different. But man, he took a lot of shots, and not all of them gave you great confidence that he was a fraction away from scoring and do you, do you have any feel for Smith Rowe and Saka in terms of just their general tidiness in possession and in kind of in the final third yeah I thought it was an encouraging match from um, Smith Rowe um, he was you know he's been dealing with injuries so it was nice to see him get back on the field um, you know you could definitely see that he definitely got you know exhausted by the end of he did you know needs to get the fitness back up but it was definitely good to see him um, you know he was one of the got a shot his passing was tidy. I think he he was one of the the leaders in actually passing into the attacking third. So that was something that he did seem to be probably the creative outlet for the team um, that was on the field. So I thought that that was definitely a good performance from him and something that hopefully he can build on. Um, you know, we'll have some of these FA Cup matches coming on, and I'm not sure if he's going to put himself in position to really get in for the Premier League coming up anytime soon. But I think there'll definitely be some more games for him to play. Yeah, I mean, there's a job there to be had. It does seem like a big stretch for him this season. But there's a job there to be had because outside of Ozil, we don't really have a player who can weave it all together in the final third centrally. You know, he has a huge amount to prove, but there's a job there. Ganduzi can stitch the play a little bit, but uh, I know Elliot fancies him as a 10. I don't yet. I still feel he feels more comfortable squarely in midfield, dropping back and, yeah, pushing forward a little bit. But outside of Mesut in the 10 spot, there's a position to be had there by somebody if he can step up quick enough. Do you see him as as having that? I mean, he's more Ramsey-ish maybe than Ozil, but he does seem a very clever player, a heads-up player who can join the dots and has the kind of running physicality you tend to see with Ramsey. Yeah, and I think he did kind of play that right wing kind of like Ramsey did. It's definitely tucked in a little bit more as a midfielder playing yeah. it instead of as a forward playing it. Um, so I liked that. Um, and I, that is definitely something that is missing from Arsenal right now is a player who can create for other players and who has a little bit um, of that ability to find a pass. So I think that's something that is needed and I think hopefully he can grow into. Um, but I think this is a, a good time to transition into to Saka, who I think was easily the the player of the match. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he led basically in all the offensive categories, you know, had five shots, created four chances, created two big chances and a goal and assist. So um, it was definitely a day for him. And I was, you know, very glad to see him excel. So here, I thought he was great. Anybody who didn't think he was great was nuts. The one thing that surprised me was they he only had two tackles and he was success, successful with both of them. So either we're doing a great job covering with Socrates 
or Standard Liège missed a trick, especially in the first half, to target his area. They made a change early in the second half. They brought on the big fella up front, and they were much better at moving the ball around to the wings and kind of getting into those pockets that maybe stressed his area a little bit. And they got that goal very early on uh, in the second half. I think it was within a minute or two, which kind of started to dictate the narrative. I thought Saka was generally excellent, if not tested, as a an out-and-out full-back for the game. He's just so tidy, so clean on the ball. Tim is always a man for saying young players don't really start scoring goals. You can't really count on them for goals till they're like 24 or so. And I think I generally agree with that. But there's the other part of it that says... If you've got it, you've got it. And Saka's got it. And Martinelli has got it. I think Smith-Rowe has it, but we hasn't had enough chance to see it. And Eddie has it. They just score goals from a young age. So I think Tim's right. But I also think if you've got it, you've got it. And Saka has it. So here's my question for you with, with Saka. We think of him as a left as playing on the left winger, a left winger. But mostly we play with inverted wingers. Do, is there a reason why he has been and will continue to be a left? Because him and Martinelli may well be competing for the same spot, but maybe not. Maybe Saka needs to switch to the right, become an inverted winger, take those shots on his left foot. I mean, ironically, he did quite a nice job on his wrong foot putting that away, but he still didn't have the same whip he would have had had he done a Pepe-style curler into the far corner. What are your thoughts on Saka going forward? Um, you know, I kind of, I still kind of like the traditional, you know, left-footed guy on the left-hand side. Um, he, you know, it's he whips in a great nice. c- cross. I guess the other thing is, then, if he's got Tierney on that side, they can both do that. And we don't actually have, it's ironic we got our first goal with uh, Lacazette off the head and Martinelli can get in there and get his head on it too. But we don't really have a lot of guys who get in there for those crosses. Yeah, and I think if you're kind of thinking about like the way you, you know, if you're setting up to build a team, you know, it's kind of nice if you have, you know, one inverted one instead of, you know, having both mm. guys. Because then, you know, you, you kind of balance out a little bit. You, you know, force the, the defense to, you know, respect the full width of the pitch. Um, then you're also not looking for your fullback if you, you know, you're going to have one fullback who pushes up. You know, you can have one fullback on, say, the right that's going to be the overlap, you know, provide you with on that side. And then, you know, your other left, you know, if it's going to be your left winger that's out on the pitch, who's going to be wide, you know, then your left fullback can actually be a little bit more reserved and not have to constantly be overlapping. And then, you know, kind of give yourself a little bit better balance between things. So I don't mind that. And, you know, I think that's actually something that, that Pep did quite a bit uh, with Leroy Sané, um, you know, saying out on the left as an actual traditional, you know, winger who stays wide, um, you know, to be able to provide the little bit more balance in the team, you know, be able to make the, the defense respect you. So you have one guy who cuts in and one guy who stays wide. Um, I thought his actually his ability to take those shots from the channels actually looked pretty good from his mm. left foot. He had the one that was really kind of, you know, it was, it was a tough angle, but he forced a, a good save there. Um, and then you had the other one that was a little bit further out, you know, maybe, you know, about the, the penalty spot, but out in the channel. And he just missed that, um, you know, top corner. Um, and it was, yeah, it was one of those that, you know, they saw the replay from behind the goal and it was like, oof, that was really just like inches away. So I thought that, you know, his ability to take those shots was pretty nice. And I do like that he actually does put his foot through the ball um, and he actually takes the shots with conviction, which is something that, you know, not always that you see with young players. So um, like you were talking about, he does seem to have a, a knack for finding finding shots and then also, um, you know, takes them with the, the confidence. He's, you know, actually, if he's going to take a shot, he's going to actually go through it and do it all the way. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot I liked about Owobi. He did a lot of good things for us in terms of building play, etc. And yes, his technical ability was probably one of the the top players on the team. You know, there wasn't somebody that I felt you know that was more secure with the ball. Yeah, I was always good for value add on passing and all that good stuff. So it's a little bit of apples and oranges. But once you get into the box, man, I'd much prefer to see Saka or Martinelli with the ball at his foot taking a shot from that side and it seems like every time those guys connect almost every time you know as you say they they can put their foot through the ball because technically they take good clean shots and like man can he whip across in him and Tierney from that side can both whip in a delicious ball I mean the interesting thing on the the sack across for Lacazette is Martinelli has managed to get in from from the right hand side he's run straight into the six yard block and he's in He's in that classic position where he got the previous front post header. Not quite as far past the front post, but he's he's actually in probably as good or better position than Lacazette. He's got right in there again. So, you know, we need players to get in when those when those guys are putting in the crosses. But Lacazette isn't that tall, but he's not he's not shy of a header. But Aubameyang and Pepe don't strike me as living and breathing, throwing their head at the ball in the middle. No, and I think that run, too, by Martinelli really helps so it's not a two-on-one against Lacazette. So Lacazette actually has a chance to go after that ball, and, you know, he has a, a you know better-than-50-50 chance at being the one that wins it. Yeah, and I think he pulls... He doesn't pull a man, but he does pull attention towards him. Lacazette bumps his marker and slips behind him. That extra body in the box that Martinelli provides every single time is likely to keep him high up the options in terms of impact subs and Saka is going to be right there with him I mean in general I think you're right it's it's nice to have that mix between the two wingers what's your read of Freddie and his approach to setting up an 11 at this stage Uh, he's played a bit of three at the back but maybe more interestingly he does seem to have gone with a single striker and basically a couple of wingers even with three at the back it was kind of a uh, 4-2-3-1, but not the 4 at the back. The the 2-3-1 was very much the feel of it upfield. Yeah, and then, you know, you definitely saw David Louise kind of milled up into, you know, more of the defensive midfield role when yeah. we were in possession. So it was definitely kind of like a 2-1, you know, then, you know, the 3 mm. and then 1 kind of a thing. Yeah, kind of a, a way. So I, I liked that, you know, the shape and everything like that. And I, I do like that he has kind of made the decision to pick one of the strikers. Um, you know, you just watch Arsenal uh, when, you know, Lacazette and Aubameyang were on the field, and you can definitely tell that they like playing together. Um, you know, they, they seem to be good friends and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think as a team, Arsenal play better when it's just one of them um, because, you know, we have to make such big compromises to put, you know, say, you know, Aubameyang out on a wing, and it just really loses a lot of his ability. So I think that it's probably the right call you know, I, I think that it's a, a tough one to make when you have, you know, one of our, you know, three highest, you know, you know, biggest transfer fees ever. And, you know, you're having to leave him on the bench. So it's a, a big call that he's making, but I think it's the right one. So in general, would you lean into Pepe on the right and then Martinelli on the left? I think that's probably how I would. It's you know, amazing, isn't it? it? The weekend. Yeah. He, he, an 18 year old might be a starter. And a yeah, fair, you know, a fresh, fairly, yeah, fresh from yeah, yeah. The, the Brazilian lower leagues. Yeah, and with uh, he'll need a backup, and that could be Saka. So uh, now, of course, they'll want to get Lacazette on the pitch, and maybe they'll push Aubameyang out there, etc. But 
it's it's pretty intriguing. Uh, life comes at you fast when you're Project Martinelli, but he's right in the frame. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things you could probably tell him, hey, we're going to give you 55, 60 minutes. So go out there and, you know, harass City and, you know, give it all you got because, you know, you don't need to save yourself for 90 minutes. So that might be something that, you know, he can get a little bit more of his defensive stuff in there as well to really help, you know, whoever's, you know, playing on the left. If it's Gola Nash, you know, he could he could really help with that. And then, you know, you bring on Abami or you bring on Lacazette at, you know, the 55, 60 minute mark. Um, and then, you know, we have, you know, maybe we're maybe we're in a position there where, you know, we've kept it close. We have both of our strikers. Maybe something magical happens. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be hopeful here for the weekend. Yeah. So, all right. So <laughs> talk myself into it. Yeah, yeah. So let's quickly work our way through the, the high and low points of the second half. So they were playing like a team that actually needed, wanted and needed a result. And they got pretty energized in the second half. Maybe not so much in the first half. They moved the ball well. Both goals were, were kind of fluky. But in some sense, they they were also earned. They were putting pressure on us. They zipped a couple of balls across our six-yard box that nobody got on the end of for them or for us. So you kind of got to say maybe it was kind of coming. But we talked about Willock and the, the sloppy passing out. I think that was the second goal. But in both cases, we had a Greek centre-back uh, doing that thing that most or all centre-backs do now where they jump up and rotate mid-air. And, uh, I mean, it cost PSG, I think it was, heavily in the Champions League doing the same manoeuvre against United. And you get this handball thing that happens as your arm spins around. It pulls it a little bit away from the body, but even if it doesn't, both seemed kind of lazy, protecting yourself, throwing your back into it. And while it's unlucky, both were handballs as the arm spun around because you were swinging that arm towards the ball. So much as I'd like to just say, oh, that's kind of bad luck, it was kind of a bit sloppy. Isn't there an argument to say, be braver? I don't like the ball in the face. Uh, I bet they don't either. And the whole area of concussion is becoming a more serious thing, taken more seriously with, with football all the time. But what were your thoughts on the goals bad luck or sloppy and take it right in the in the front um a little bit of both i mean so yeah it's a little bit sloppy you'd like to see it maybe maybe they could get out a little bit faster on them um close the guy down and then you know you know there's less area for it to you know you're gonna get more chance to block it a little bit cleaner um so i mean it's bad luck to you know you don't try to hit it with your hand or anything like that and you know the way it bounces off and into the goal you know that's just you know that's not on martinez or anything like that that's tough to, to you know recover on those so uh partially it's sloppy partially it's bad luck um i think overall it wasn't you know the worst defending arsenal done this season i think overall they they did they did pretty good about keeping them to you know relatively low quality chances they you know outshot you know them you know so that's you know another positive so I, I don't have a ton of bad things to say about the defense. You know, the goals were kind of fluky. Yeah, I mean, if they didn't go in, they might have been called penalties. They might have been said, hey, it's too close kind of a thing. It's one of those. Either way, it could have gone. Yeah, I'd love an expert centre-back uh, viewpoint on, you know, body, kind of body shape, body position. It just looks looks like the kind of thing it invites a little bit. That's That spin, that arm the deflection and making your body bigger and just taking it right in the nads just seems like what real men do but 
But I hear they hit that ball pretty hard, so who knows? So we went down the two goals, and we, we brought on Martinelli, and it did seem like I know people said, oh, the change, game changed when he came on. And I'm like, I don't really know. So I went back and looked at it again. And, yeah, I, I think it probably did. He did. He energized us in a number of ways, individually contributed. And especially on the Saka one, the one-two for the Saka goal, um, he actually plays a very important pass to keep the, the play alive before that, as well as the, the one-two, which is... Quite skillful because Saka kind of knocks it to him and it's a little bit, I would say, behind and away from Martinelli and he still get, gets a good touch on it to get right across his body and perfectly into Saka's path who has a beautiful, simple touch to keep keep it right where he wants it. And again, it's on his right foot and it's it's a beautiful goal. And yeah, and I thought it was, it was really good. Yeah, back to the defender, you know, he had a guy right on him and, you know, he really played that one well. Both goals, in a sense, were... What I liked most about them was they weren't on the cards. They were out of they were basically out of not very exciting positions where Saka really made something happen. I mean, the cross was not he hadn't got to the byline. There was nothing. It's the kind of goal that gets scored against us where you're like, but but there was nothing there. We you know we were in position. We were we should have been fine. And somebody whips in a cross and pow, and he he just did it all with one ball. Yeah, and it, it really is a something that I actually would see against Arsenal because he had so much space out there, and then the Liège defender was pretty relaxed about going out to actually close him down. I wonder yeah. if that's also partially, you know, it's like I don't want to get dribbled past here. Um, you kind of was just, you know, kind of like that tentative, you know, closeout yeah. that you see. He's like, um, I, I got this covered, which was which is very Arsenal, and then the the fucker puts in this absolute. Zinger. I mean, it's a cruise missile laser right where you don't want it as a defend as a defender. Yeah, it was a, it was a great cross. Yeah, and you know it ain't a one off. He can do that. Tierney can do that. We've seen that multiple times. So that's pretty exciting if you can get guys on the end of it. I don't know that we always have guys charging in to get on the end of it, but we did this time. We had two of them, and then the second one. I mean, again, Saka's got the whole defense in front of him and decides to jink him one way. Uh, one two his way through with Martinelli and Pau were back in it but then we kind of run out of a little bit of gas at that point and maybe we think two two's okay and I thought it was funny in Freddie's comments was it Saka who says yeah Freddie was trying to get word to us that Frankfurt had fallen behind I'm like because you all you often wonder what's what's the coach do with that information does he keep that to himself and get them all fired up so that they're like running their nuts off that they're going for that extra goal so it was kind of funny to hear Freddie was desperately trying to get the uh, results information onto the pitch so they knew where things were at so maybe that's why we kind of coasted a little bit as time went as the the half played out well I think everybody just looked tired yeah too. I know I know it was kind of weird but you know the whole pa- the first half was pretty slow but that second half it really kind of opened up a little bit more and I think everybody just was just tired by the end of it yeah, I guess in the end it was pretty end-to-end, and uh, Liège aren't brilliant. They're third in the Belgian league, but they actually look, maybe that's something to do with us, but they actually look pretty good, especially in the second half. They were they were pretty physical, technical, big guys, and you saw them bumping up against the kids, and they moved the ball really well in the second half, I thought, in particular, so I wouldn't be surprised yeah, well, the- if the kids ran out of gas. 
Yeah, it was actually pretty impressive them. They actually looked like a pretty strong team. And then, you know, they'd also beaten Frankfurt and Vitoria at home. So I guess they're they're not a bad home team. Yeah, I guess overall it was fair enough and, and a good evening. Um, it was, yeah, it was just enough. Everything, yeah, I, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but it was like, it was fine. You know, I mean, the defending was, you know, bad, but, you know, it wasn't as bad as Arsenal can be. The attack was good enough. We were probably the better of the team and we got the result we needed. Yeah. Good. So, all right, let's let's wrap up on Standard Liège. Um, we're not doing any promotional stuff this time around because Elliot isn't available. But, you know, I would still advocate that people continue to wear underwear. I think that's a good thing. Make sure your girlfriend's wearing underwear. And you can make sure she changes it once a month by signing up with the Disclosed. Um, and, uh, you know, if we lose that sponsor because of that, we've always got the Athletic. So we've got our promotion uh, for the athletic, where uh, somebody you you mustn't be able to sing at all, Scott, because you're not even one of the four being pushed forward. I, I think Clive. No, see, f- I, I think they were so worried that I would mispronounce all the words in whatever <laughs> Christmas carol I was going to sing. Yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, it seems like everybody's favorite is Clive. I think they imagine he's going to sound a little bit like Barry White, which I think is ri- ridiculous. I thought he was going to be more Al Green, but okay. Yeah, either way, I think it's all very offensive. What they don't realize is I have an absolutely great concept for my um, for my karaoke thing. It's going to be a two-person... This is my big push for picking me. It's going to be a two-person rendition, borrowing Elliot to do uh, the little drummer boy uh, replicating the performance of David Bowie and Bing Crosby. So I'm just going to dangle that out there for any a last-minute push for the the uh, promotion through myself anyway that said let's do a little quick preview on City and how you think we might or even should line up against them this weekend to you you did an analysis of the probability of our success and basically we're most likely get totally pasted but uh, what's your personal feeling on it do you think we have a chance here and how do we set up for the best oh, so I think yeah we just did the the project 32 version 2 uh, or the return, or whatever it's labeled, I can't recall right this moment. Um, and I think I was, I was incredibly pessimistic. I was in, a, apparently, I was in a bad mood when I was actually making the predictions. But I think I said, I think I had City four, Arsenal one, um, in this one. So I, I was not overly optimistic. I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit better because you know you gotta, you gotta get yourself in that frame of mind to be able to actually want to wake up early and, and watch these matches. So I think I'm hoping that Arsenal can, you know, maybe make it interesting and you know make a draw a possibility. When I ran the simulation, I had Arsenal about 20% to win, um, and I had 17% for a draw. So uh, City are pretty heavy favorites for this one. So. It's not. Yeah, I'm, the, the numbers don't look good for Arsenal. How would you set up for this this game to achieve that effect? Let's assume we've got Maitland Niles fit, and maybe the interesting one is what do you do if you have Pepe? You play him, and what do you do if you don't have Pepe? Ooh, so I mean, I think overall, I mean, I might lean towards three at the back for this one. Um, you know, maybe you know you think you got you know three of the center backs, so you got to have Polisinac and you know Maitland Niles out there, so. Um, I don't really trust them as fullback, so you got to go with the the three. Um, and then in midfield, is it going to be Torreira and Jacka? Probably. Yeah, and I mean then, they they seem to have been well rested. They weren't even on the bench, if if I remember right. Yeah, I'd probably go with that the three four three formation. So then you know Pepe, 
Obama Yang, Martinelli, like we talked about earlier, I think, you know, you go, you give Martinelli the instructions that go give me everything you got for, you know, 60 minutes and then, you know, bring on Lacazette. And hopefully at that point, you know, the, the game is still within reach and, you know, you can hope to get something from it. So it's no, going to be, you know, no you, you almost, yeah, I don't think I would pick Ozil in this one. Yeah. They didn't bring him on the trip, which makes you think that maybe. I think because you got to go three at the back, I don't know if he's going to be in there. And then also, we're probably not going to have much sustained possession in this match. So I just don't know if he really fits with how we want to be able to play. I don't know. I kind of feel Freddie may just lean into the four-two-three-one and keep some momentum going and playing the players he rested. So going to be very interesting. I mean, I don't disagree with your analysis, but just for consistency and momentum, maybe maybe he plays the team that began to click against West Ham. But I guess we'll see what we see. Any other last reflections on the game for the weekend? Um, I just hope to not get blown out. Yeah. So what's your prediction? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to re- revise it and say uh, 3 to 2. Okay. To City. It does feel I don't I have no idea why I feel like we have a shot at getting a result here getting a draw we should we shouldn't have any shot at it they've got their own challenges defensively but are we good enough to take advantage of it have we worked out how to lock things down at the back so I think we have a shot at a draw but I could see a 2-1 where we lost Yeah I just I just expect them to be able to score goals yeah, <laughs> and us <laughs> to not be able to stop them. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. I, I, I just, I just worry about that. Especially, you know, we're we're, we're missing, you know, both, you know, starting fullbacks. Most likely, you know, they have an abundance of attack. They are going to want to come out and, you know, avenge their their previous Premier League results. So I think they're just going to want to come out and look to destroy us. Yeah, great. I, just, I just worry. Thanks for that, Scott. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a basket of sunshine. Clearly. Um, right. Well, let's wrap it up there. We'll see what we see up the arsenal and all that. And uh, we'll have the, the regular crew hopefully back together on Monday with a proper host and a proper show. So thanks, Scott. Have a great weekend. Up the arsenal. Yeah. T- uh, we'll talk to you after, what, you know, Arsenal 10, Manchester City 10? Indeed. Woohoo! Yeehaw! Yeehaw! Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.